welcome to Architecture Talk Tang. I am Sara Colada, an architect and organizer of the Disrupt Symposium, the first of its kind business of architecture event, bringing to stage major architecture practices to cover topics related to entrepreneurship and practice operations within the AEC industry. I am an architecture business development consultant and my goal is to raise the financial well-being of architects through effortless business growth. Each podcast episode features an expert or thought leader from the AEC industry who shares their journey, challenges and advice. Now, let's dive into this episode and welcome our guest for an exclusive interview. Hello, 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 guys. This is Sara Quilata from Architecture Talk Tank. Today, my guest is Tara Cole. I'm really excited to have her here and to find out a little bit more about what she's doing um, because another really interesting agenda and a, a point of view onto architecture industry. Um, Tara Cole from Archie English. Tara, thank you so much for joining me today on the talk. And would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and your work? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Thanks for the introduction, Sarah. It was very nice. Um, and I think it's as you were as you were saying, um, it's a different sort of perspective on architecture. The work that I'm doing. So, as you'll see in my name, Archie English. It's joining two things together, which is architecture and English, and looking at the language. So, what I do, my tagline on on Instagram on um, LinkedIn as well is helping architects who speak English as a second language to enhance their English and feel like feel more confident and to unlock their hidden potential I would say and I've been doing this for about a year now and I absolutely love it it's the best thing that I've done of bringing my two careers together of working as a landscape architect uh, when I first graduated and then also I, I had a, a love of language very early on, but I didn't, I hadn't learned a language. I just really liked expressing myself with writing, uh, with understanding more about how we use language as designers and how we communicate that. So I was very interested in that. Um, and yeah, I moved to France uh, three years ago, almost three years ago. And as doing that, it was, it almost was, Archie English was almost born out of a necessity to do something where I could work because when I first arrived, I couldn't speak French. I taught English and but then at the same time, I was still a landscape architect. I was also a teacher and I wanted to bring the two together. So that's kind of where it was born. I actually had a conversation with somebody the other day. They asked me, how did Archie English get started? And I said, well, I had a, a lesson with my French teacher and she was asking me about my landscape architecture projects and then I couldn't explain it to her in French. I thought, oh, this is so hard to explain. And I realised that, well, if I'm struggling to explain this in French, I'm sure there's people who speak English who are struggling to do the same thing. And so the next day I had a, a landscape project that I was working on and I had a big A1 sheet on my, on my desk and I flipped the page over and I started 
brainstorming, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I had like five sheets of paper on the table just with all my ideas written down and that's kind of where it was born and that's that was a year ago nearly. So, yeah, I hope that wasn't too long of an introduction. No, not at all. I mean, I love how you, you told the actual story and, you know, it's just incredible because and you probably will have something to say about it too, I believe. But you know how our industry, architecture together, whether it's landscape or building, um, we have this sort of conviction that we have to do design for work. And if you in any way derive from it, it's a failure. And I just love that you went for that that one moment, you know, you connected it and now kind of create a career out of it. And I totally see a point to it. Like... First of all, I love language myself. Um, I've been brought up in Greece as a Polish migrant. So my family spoke Polish at home, but then at school I was um, learning uh, Greek and speaking Greek on the street. Wow. But then obviously English is like the most um, the international language. So we were learning it from, from early on. So literally I was brought up with three languages and uh, I love linguistics. Um, speaking a language like Greek to me is really amazing because anything from biology, philosophy, even certain, um, you know, medicine, medical words, or um, even a lot of uh, just um, sort of roots of words in English come from Greek. And, and mm. it, it, the way that the language works is sort of a combination of words. So it's a little bit like in German, that you, you, want, you join words together. And so, for example, like the word philosophy, philos is friend and sophie is knowledge. So it's a friend of knowledge. And it makes yeah. sense to you when you speak the language because the two words make a me have a meaning in your head. And mm. so I, I love that, you know, I really love linguistics and to be able to sort of, um, is it called entomology or anticipation? What is the um the knowledge? Well, yeah, you're testing me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. I just don't want to. I want to use the wrong word for what I'm trying to say. But there's a word um that describes basically the science of the origin of the word uh, of words. Oh already. yeah. Um. um oh, I can't even think now. <laughs> <laughs> the point the being that, that I actually love um sometimes to find out um where like where words come from you know originally mm. and uh and yeah that's just sort of always been there and so I completely understand how you feel the passion for the two because they kind of have that too and I love the fact that you combined it because traveling the world I've learned also Spanish as a fourth language and that was really through um like in my already adult years so I had to like rewire my brain again to mm. learn language then and what's really interesting is that um, I did go into, well, I learned, I learned a lot from real life experiences, but I have had to go through all this, um, this phase of, of, of sort of learning, um, maybe not in a school setting, but, but this more interactive way to learn, to remember words. Yeah. And uh, and I know that it's really interesting when you are actually surrounded by people that share your interests, because specifically when I was learning um, or, or share your interests or actually like surround you in the most immediate environment. Right. So when I was learning Spanish was when I already moved to Guatemala and I was working for a charity there doing construction projects. And I actually learned from builders and architects that were surrounding me and they didn't speak English. 
Oh, wow. So you had to. It, it was tough. <laughs> but I learned all the vocabulary, like the architectural vocabulary mm. there. So yeah. like literally, like sort of it combines again, you know, <laughs> um, how you have a vocabulary of your own practical experience and architecture um, in a different language because you used it or worked in that language. Yeah, exactly. Um, similar story and i see how that could connect and i think i would love to learn uh, maybe french maybe you can teach me yeah french. well I'm not, yeah i'm trying to uh, improve my french so once i'm once i get up there then maybe i can start teaching people archite architectural french for example that would but, be awesome yeah i definitely want to learn french <laughs> it's a great language to learn actually um at, at the start it was it was quite challenging but you know i'm getting there now so um, I thought it was really interesting listening to you speak about that love for language as well, because I think as architects and landscape architects or designers even, language is such a big part of what we do and it's so important. It's almost you, you could have two disciplines within architecture, the, the, communi the communication aspect or the, the oral communication, and then you've got the design communication. And also if those two don't come together well, your design can fall apart. So it's really important that we understand what are the best ways to communicate and and how can we make those two come together in a, in a better way. And, you know, when I first was working as a landscape architect, I worked in Melbourne and I had a lot of colleagues who came from overseas and I could see that their struggles sometimes were with aspects of the communication that were challenging like emails or being able to present designs to the client and and often what happens is they're not uh, considered for that aspect of the project because it might be too challenging for them or they're not really thrown into that situation because I don't want to put them in a scary situation so I really saw that and I I had been thinking about that a lot since moving to France because I had felt that I was in that situation as well. And I thought, okay, I, I want to try to put them together, see what happens, and hopefully hopefully it helps somebody. And it, and it has, and it's amazing. And I, I love working with people to be able to bridge that gap for them and to help them. And I guess the style, and and also I love what you were talking about with the when you went and you were speaking Spanish with with construction on the construction site. Like that is the best way to learn a language, and to be in the midst of learning is the best situation. And so I often find that with a lot of the people that I work with, they're like, "Oh, I can't believe that somebody like you exists. Like this is so good because you're bringing two things together." and I almost think why don't more people do this where they mm. bring the language and also the vocabulary and, and learning in the context of what you're learning because that's when you learn the most. So Absolutely. I just feel like it's so important to, to have that available to some people. And I think we're kind of going through a bit of a rev, like a revolution maybe now where there's a lot more teachers who are understanding that and offering that to different niches so not necessarily just architecture but science medicine you know trying to bring english teaching or language teaching to a topic or a subject so yeah and it's it's amazing being able to really 
um, delve much deeper into the language as well. So you would know yourself that language is not just about the vocabulary or about the words. It's about how you say it. It's about how you come across or, yeah, that sort of, it's it's so much deeper than just, uh, you know, the the names of all the parts of the building or the parts of the window, for example. Yeah. They're, they're, I, yeah. Those things you can read in a book, for example. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And I think a big part of it is communication. You know, the, the moment when you find yourself in a more advanced conversation and you actually understand and can respond back, it's such a gratifying mm. moment, uh, really, because yeah. you feel a part of something bigger, of another culture, uh, another tradition, and uh, and also a part of a different joke, like a different way of yeah. thinking, structuring sentences. It's as if you out of a sudden awaken another part of your brain. Yeah. And it's I don't know if you've seen ever a movie called um, Arrival. It was about aliens. Yeah. Alien into the planet and um and their their spaceships were in forms of huge eggs just hovering <laughs> in the in the in the space but what that was probably the best linguistic movie i've ever seen yeah. the movie evolves all around um the main actress being a linguist specialist and getting hired to by the fbi or whatever these forces to communicate with the aliens and it's oh, I remember this movie, yes. I remember it. it look, yeah. it's really just remarkable because it actually kind of really refers to that experience when you learn a language and out of a sudden you just feel like you got an insight into something that you just hadn't had developed, you know, mm -hmm. before because of maybe that way of thinking or seeing or connecting with people just didn't exist in your culture, you know? Yeah. And and for her, it was as she learned this to speak or communicate with the aliens, she could actually time travel. <laughs> that that was the, what she got out of it. So yeah, move in time, and that was just it's just incredible. It's the, really that insight that that opened mm. up. Um, so I love it. I really do. And I I having an experience of also working with communities um, and building with communities using a lot of battery design methods to. To, to work with communities, it was so crucial to communicate, so important to be able to have these conversations with people, especially in a humanitarian sector where they're dealing with poverty, they're dealing with inequality, maybe even domestic violence, alcoholism, you know, a lot of issues. And it's not like architecture can face it, but you're there and you are part of it all. And I found that through being able to have these conversations with people and being then my, then it enriched my process as well as a designer, um, very much so. And so I think it's extremely important and and it's great also from the perspective of language learning alone um, to have these alternative experiences that you don't just go to a linguist or, or you know language school. And you sit with a bunch of people who are all international, but you follow the same syllabus that everyone would ever do, like this boring, hello, my name is daddy, daddy, da. <laughs> exactly. Here, here I'm, I'm guessing in your group, there'll be a lot of architects. So, so much in common, you know. Exactly. More than the love for the language that you want to learn or yeah. that you learn that language. So that's just a cool addition to the experience, I think. I definitely would like to learn another language with a group of architects. It's It's... It's something you don't find and it, no. it adds 
yeah, it's it's just a uh, I think it adds to the uniqueness of the experience quite a lot. Yeah, and it's what I've really wanting to do as well and hoping to do. So I have a a, a small network at the moment on Mighty Networks, which I'm building and developing and. You know, within that network, at the start, I thought to myself, you know, I need to teach them English or I need to put English lessons. But at the same time, it's not, it doesn't need to be about that. It's just about giving them situations where they can practice and feel like they're surrounded, as you say, with other architects and people who share their interests and to not feel like there's the pressure all the time to be in a work situation where they have to perform and that sort of thing. And you know, I think as you were saying before about the communication being important, it's it's so important to find ways to allow people to communicate if they can't or if they can't at full capacity. And so often what I'm thinking about with my with my clients is that I want to be able to give them the the freedom to be able to express themselves and then we can sort of talk about it and analyse it so that when they're in the real situation, they can sort of draw upon the things that we've already spoken about and bring and bring them in. And a lot of a lot of my clients say the same sorts of things to me. Like I'm sitting in a meeting, I have this really great idea and I can't express it. And often, I mean, I say this to myself as well. I'm saying, um, oh, I can say this in English. Gosh, this is so annoying. Why can't you just speak English so I can um, just tell you? And And they're the same. Like I wish you could speak my native language. Or even, ah, oh, you try and speak my native language to an English speaker who doesn't speak any other language. And so it's really frustrating for them that mm-hmm. they might know certain things in their native language but not be able to do it in English. So it's about trying to help them uh, figure out how to do that in the simplest way possible. Architecture Talk Tank is sponsored by the good people at Integrated Projects. A team of architects and technologists focus on the digitalization of the built environment. Did you know that there are more existing buildings in this world than websites? Yet only 0.0001% have been digitized. In response to this, the Integrated Projects team launched BIMIT to digitize any space imaginable. Offices, homes, mechanical spaces, you name it. Now any architect, engineers or reality capture specialists can convert their 3D scan into LOD 200 BIM just in hours, not weeks or months. Why does this matter? Well now we can accurately view, verify and quantify the spaces that we design, build and operate. To learn more about BIMIT, visit www.integrated-projects.com forward slash Sarah Collada. And then to build that confidence little by little so that they might, you know, for the next time they might actually ask a question in a meeting or share their ideas because, you know, there are so many amazing professionals who speak English as a second language are incredibly talented designers who don't speak as much as they probably can because then they don't have the confidence and that's a big shame Mm. and that's what that's why I do this I I love being able to work with people 
who realize actually I can speak up, I can say things, even if I say it slower or not to the same level as a native English speaker. But and you probably feel like this too, I think the the more that you travel and the more countries you live in and the more things you're exposed to, the more you just open your eyes up to other experiences. And I think sometimes people who live who have lived their entire life in a country just speaking one language don't necessarily understand that. And so also part of what I like to do is explain to people or to bring to to open their eyes to the fact that you know you're working with people who are in these situations it's difficult for them and you've got to kind of cut them some slack or help them out somehow so mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about that as I you know I talk about it a lot and even I talk to people who, who are professionals who have never traveled or who've never spoken another language just to kind of help them see Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting you said that because it reminded me of um, actually a, a very similar problem I had um, again when I when I moved to Guatemala because I went there without the language, but I had a dream of working there and staying there. So wow. I learned and I got a job in a charity, um, basically first helping out with architecture projects there. They were building schools. And a lot of the the projects that they were doing were concrete building, you know, this, this the traditional cinder block construction, which, you know, doesn't really it's not um, super well thought through in terms of the design and the material selection. Uh, but also there were so many aspects to it, really, because once you sort of run a charity and, you know, I don't want to really go off topic, but I just wanted to um, to tell you a little bit about the context. So. When you you know when you run a charity, obviously a lot of times the money will come from richer countries like America or Europe, but then you you're building in the third world, and so the money comes from say from America. But when you when you look at the way you know charities spend that money, is that a lot of times um, they will buy building materials straight from um, building suppliers that actually are owned by Americans. It's like this monopoly. So wow. actually, even though you're building the schools in the third world, and yes, you provide the education and all that stuff, actually economically, you're not boosting the country because you're recycling the money straight back into your own country mm. by the decision you, you you take with the materials. And on the contrary, or on the other side, or alternatively, um, I'm really interested and passionate about natural construction. So that's sort of became a mission. Um, Pretty much all my professional architecture life, I've worked with natural materials, with earth, bamboo, timber, and I see it as a way to actually create stronger projects with the community because that's their skill. So when you mm-hmm. come to the local community, you actually can not only help them financially, economically, like boost that village with that investment, whether the school is twenty thousand, fifty thousand, you know, hundred thousand dollars, that all that money goes into the village if you. Mm-hmm. Hire local label but also you teach them that their traditions are not um outdated obsolete and 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 that there is a lot of value in in that building and i think that we have the technology and knowledge right now to build also better so i really was facing that issue somehow when i got involved with the project and i remember the first time when i spoke spanish i just kind of had to blurt it out was i went to i went to um look over construction site because they started to dig for foundations 
and bless them you know they had the plans and the building was obviously sort of rectangle or square but definitely had those straight 45 degree <laughs> or 90 what, wait oh my god i'm 45 90 degrees, degrees. Yeah, yeah. 90 <laughs> degrees oh my god 90 degree angles i'm such as yeah anyway so um 90 degrees are I'm you an architect or <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> To be honest with you, I've been on calls today six hours nonstop. So I think like my okay. brain's really quite there. I was I was um, speaking English to people uh, outside before, and I'm like, oh, what country am I in again? <laughs> this episode of Architecture Talk Tank is brought to you by the MGS Global Group, a team that provides on-demand CAD and BIM drafting as well as renderings for architecture firms. In today's environment, with everyone experiencing a surge in projects and staffing challenges, MGS Global can deliver your drawings on time and within your budget. So why work with MGS Global? Their customer service is exceptional and they provide quality for value. They have completed over 5,000 projects worldwide, a testament to their work. Now you can focus on design and let MGS do the rest. Check them out at www.mgsglobalgroup.com. There you anyway. go. So anyway, the story goes that they actually started to dig the foundations following the land. So there was no, oh no, <laughs> you know, there was no square or, or rectangle shapes uh, kept. And it was such a simple thing to communicate. Like, look at the plan, it's a square. And <laughs> I didn't have the words. <laughs> so I remember I started to draw it on the on the sand and I was like, see, S-O-C, S-O-N-O. <laughs> you find a way though, right? You found the way. Trying to just, I don't know, phonetically, I guess, communicate. And, yeah. um, and it went from that to about three months later, um, I did actually kind of, decided that I'm going to go to the directors and try to communicate with them the idea that they should actually look into a, po a possibility to potentially work with natural materials. And it was like a presentation I had to prepare for them to convince them that that could be economically feasible and, and they, that they would develop a better relationship with the community, maybe even have lowered down the, the cost of a construction and, and develop something more sustainable. And so it was like sort of standing there with a mission and i knew that it's all dependent on that presentation whether or not they will decide to build that building the new building that we had another school with natural materials or not and it was the first time that i actually brought it in me somehow to make that presentation in spanish it was horrible <laughs> wow. i mean three months of learning you can imagine basic as heck. um but like exactly what you're explaining you know it's that moment where you're like oh i just wish i could speak in English and tell you <laughs> everything, all my passion yeah. to, 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 uh, but yeah, but you're limited by a language, you know, and very much in like a, your professional setting as well. So what do you do? Mm. It, it went hard in setting. Sorry. It is hard in a professional setting. You can't be sitting in a meeting with a client and, and be like, Oh, I don't know how to say this, or can you just correct me or give me no. some feedback? It's, it's really kind of you're in a bit of a fishbowl where you don't sort of have these opportunities to know what to do. And so, Absolutely. yeah, I, I really empathise with you in that situation. But I imagine it would have been difficult. Yeah, I mean. It, and frustrating. 
it didn't really do anything. Um, <laughs> I didn't succeed, uh, yeah. but, but I gave it a go. And, you know, it was interesting. I, I came out of her being like, okay, three months of learning a language. I actually <laughs> tried to present an idea, which is bigger than me even, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds very challenging. Do you um, use, um, did you use super Adobe in that situation as well? No, actually, we, it was just about Adobe Block um, because okay. he already knows how to do it. And yeah. they actually, funny enough, they use ladders to to um, oh, wow. the shape of the of the yeah. Adobe. And uh, you know, it's definitely a more primitive mixture of materials, I would say, but still, it worked perfectly. And I think that with with the architectural expertise we had in the office, we could make something better. So it was worth trying. Mm. Um, but yeah, the language is definitely a challenge, you know, mm. and, um, and a very interesting thing, really, to the big part of architecture, I think, especially when you travel, big part of architecture, and when you get experiences of working in international teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting, because I think a lot of, particularly a lot of my clients, they have really interesting perspectives, like different construction perspectives, or techniques, or uh, design understandings and and I, I think they find it hard sometimes to express those differences or to know if it's okay to express those differences and and that's where understanding more about how to use the language would help them to be able to express those ideas um, and it's just kind of going a bit off track but talking about um, talking about the materials that you were talking about when I, it's interesting I was inspired by it at this time, but I, when I did my Masters of Teaching, I did environmental science as one of the subjects that I was going to teach. And as part of that, we went on a, a field trip to this uh, farm. It was like a permaculture farm. And I met so many people uh, from all over the world, so Mexican, French, Argentinian, Chilean, all over and it was it was the best experience I had in my whole teaching and we were learning how to use super adobe and we were helping them build the buildings for super adobe and they were all speaking different languages so they were speaking Spanish they were speaking um, French um, there was people there were people there um, learning Italian and so they're all and so it was it was so cool that they were all bringing their languages together and then building this building together um, mm -hmm. and just and learning how to use this technique. And, and that's, I think, I like this idea of bringing community together to learn from each other and to share aspects of their culture and, and what they believe in and, and sort of creating that community. So mm -hmm. it sort of does, I guess it does relate to what we were talking it does. about. <laughs> I mean, you know, for me, it's... Um... What is interesting, Tara, really, is that, you know, I find it really fascinating that your journey, you went through so much in your career, but you opened up to create something that is very unique. And actually, I find it personally very appealing. And and I think that um, when, you know, this show for me is a platform where I want to feature uniqueness. And I want to say, you know, just look, be yourself. You, you have to. If yeah. you're not fully, and I'm not encouraging people to drop out architecture, it's not the thing, but if you're not fully enjoying or if the situation is not where, you know, 
here and now you can get a job in architecture, maybe you want to break from it. There's so many other things you can diversify into. And if, um, you know, if you see a need um, in the in your direct environment that you could solve, a problem that you could solve, why not do it? And, and you Absolutely. know, for example, with your business, there is a great story. I, I love what you're doing. I've, like I said, I've myself have been learning languages, so I know the process and I, I, I do, I have definitely ended up in a lot of dreadful classes that I dropped out of because it didn't like the vibe. This is why I never yeah. learned German, for example, <laughs> because I didn't like the, I just, it wasn't. Yeah. And you know, classrooms are not for everyone, you know, it's, it's not for everyone. That style is not for everyone. Everyone's yeah. different. We all learn differently and we all have different interests. And it's just like with architects, for example, a lot, a lot of us are very visual people and mm-hmm. we're very experimental or, I mean, and that's just generalising, but we kind of have very similar ways of learning and being interested in certain things. But And then going back to what you're saying about, you know, in architecture, you don't have to, to do design. There are so many paths you can follow and it's exactly that. You see a problem that needs solving, you can be the person to solve that problem. And that's what we do as designers, we are so constantly solving a problem. And so, you know, there are there are people who have particular niches in architecture now. So you have lots of people who are writing blogs. You have people who are just doing portfolio um, reviews, mm-hmm. uh, helping people find jobs. So many different niches that we need because yeah. architecture is so diverse compared to what it was 20 years ago as well it's not just you're not just an architect as well you've got so many different paths like BIM managers yes lots of different styles of architecture so yeah it's interesting it is absolutely and we have a comment here which I think is really interesting Uh, Francisco Fuentes has it says I suppose design is a bit of its own language. And isn't that true? You know, that architectural design is a language because it's a, a form of communication uh, between, um, you know, be- between the user um, through the experience, actually, uh, and, and the creator, or maybe between the, the, the outside and the inside, you know, the nature and the interior. There are so many different things that, that you can create a communication between um, through the use of architecture. So, so it's it's just a very interesting thing, and and it's very uh, very creative. Still a very creative field, I think. Learning a language definitely um, very creative. And yeah, and I think too, it's not just it's not just the language itself; it's the communication. So, you know, the ways that you communicate something to a client, for example, could be the difference between them saying yes, I want you to build and design my house, or no. And so it's like this very complex thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is what I love talking about with people because if if you speak in a certain way to somebody, it can mean something as opposed to, you know, speaking in another way. If, if you, and particularly if English is your second language and you haven't worked in the environment for long, you can be, you can be quite direct but not really realise that. Mm-hmm. And... And that can have an impact. And then the, the people, your audience, don't necessarily take that into to account all the time. So it's so, it can be so complex, very complex. Yeah. And, 
I mean, it's I'm, I feel very grateful that I have come to France to to realize all these things. And I don't think if I hadn't have come to France, I wouldn't be doing this. So I'm so thankful that I was being put into this situation where I can do this. And I think I was telling you um, about Emily Emily Wapnick or Emily Wapnicky. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, who did the TED talk about being a multi-potentialite. And I think architects or designers are multi-potentialites. We have a lot of interests. And as a landscape architect, you know, I have interests in plants, in design, in art, community, lots of different things. And so it makes sense that for me it was about bringing all those things together and yeah. seeing those intersections and, and where can we make where are these little nuggets of inspiration that can create innovation? And that's what we do. So Absolutely. And I think that whoever uh, has ever traveled to France can agree that French people need English lessons. <laughs> all in all, all in all, they don't really speak English too well. <laughs> you know what? I think they don't like to speak, so we don't really know how well they can speak because they don't like to speak English as much so yeah yeah, it's on a whole yes you're right a lot of people don't like speaking English in France (laughs) yeah but it's uh but it's definitely a very needed um a needed tool so that's just amazing that you're doing this so where do you live are you in Paris or no, not in Paris. I, I don't think I could live in France if I lived in Paris. Yes. I live in, in Montpellier, which is yes. in the south. So it's very close to the beach. Yes. So summer is beautiful in Montpellier. I feel like I'm always on holidays. Um, and it's a very medieval city. So the centre of the city doesn't have any cars. So it's really nice to walk around and see all the old buildings. It's a really beautiful city. Wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Mm, yeah. Well, that's just amazing. So um, if any of the architects that are listening in uh, want to find out more about your English lessons for architects, where do they find you, Tara? Well, they can come and find me on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I like to talk to people on there. Um, or they can find me on my website, which is archieenglish.com. So pretty easy. Excellent. Yeah. And you have classes there that people can acquire and sign up for. Yeah, so I have um, my one-to-one coaching. And then I also have my Mighty Networks community. So if people want to come and join the community, they can come and see what it's all about. I've only just started it, so it's very small, but, you know, it's growing and we're all there for each other. So that's the main thing. But, yeah. Well, thank you for the chat today. I really enjoyed hearing more about what you're doing and, it's great. It's great that you think what I'm doing is good. <laughs> I do. I do. And I really support that. I think it's, it's just, there's definitely, you know, from a business perspective and a needs perspective, for sure. Um, yeah. I think that um, it's just a, a great example. And I hope it inspires people to understand that all these business ideas are a part of who you are already. You don't have to go outside of yourself to look for what could you do to make money? You know, you can combine your interests and what you're doing to, um, or what you what you want to even explore to to solve a problem for someone. That's really what it is. Give value, and yeah, and you know, and 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 I love that. I think um, 
I think that that's exactly what you're doing. That's why I support it. And thank you, uh, thank you for sharing your story and joining me on this talk. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Brilliant. Thank you guys as well for tuning in. Thank you for yes, your comments. You. And I'll see you all soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Architecture Talk Tank has its own frequency. We're not a regular podcast, but we are here for you, always. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have a story that others in this community can benefit from, please contact me via social media or email me directly at me at saracolada.com. To sign up for my newsletter, simply go to the website saracolada.com. I am on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can find me by typing my name, Sarah Colada. Come say hi. I'm always excited when you reach out. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.